Strictly Sports. I'm Jacob Brown, joined by CJ Yuri. We're going to go over the NFL and college football over the last few weeks. We covered hockey last week on Strictly Hockey. We did a full breakdown before the season begins. The regular season starts. Uh, this is uploading on Friday. It actually starts with two international games between the Predators and the Sharks in Spain. That's why the season's starting so much earlier for them than it is for everyone else. The other opening night will be Tuesday the 11th. Um, for some teams, and then the 12th for everybody else. But for the NFL, there's a lot of stuff that's happened since the last time we covered it. I feel like this is the – and I feel like I say this every year. That this season feels like every week there's another major storyline that completely shifts the paradigm of the league and the way I view it for the year. And there's just games every week where I'm like, okay, one week I think this this team, the next week I'm on the other end of it. And so uh, – I'm not, I'm not there with your dolphins. I'm not like, I'm, I did not flip on them. It's not their fault. that Tua is out. Uh, but it, it obviously has to cause some sort of worry that the team will regress. Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback. I'm not going to sit here and, uh, and slouch him, but I think everybody knows that the ceiling for Tua and what Tua was up until this point is better than what Bridgewater is most likely to give you. But Bridgewater is not a bad quarterback. The thing is, a lot of people now are kind of like thinking, hey, the, the Dolphins are going to really slip here. Some people have the Jets even beating them on Sunday. And I'll be honest with you, CJ, on Backyard Bets with Tyler, I, I kind of picked the Jets uh, to, to win that game. I feel like emotionally maybe the Dolphins are really being a bad place. The Jets coming off a win versus the Steelers on the road. Zach Wilson looked great. There's some hype there a little bit for them. Are you worried at all? And, and you could also, uh, you know, as far as the two is before you go, as far as the two situation goes, everyone on national TV has talked about it. I, I can't really add anything more than what pro NFL players say about it and, and the pundits on TV. It clearly the, the rule needs to be changed that if a guy is wobbly, they're out for a week. I think it's unanimous that everyone is for that uh, terrible situation, though. I, I, this, it was awful to watch. Uh, but there's nothing else really I can add to it. Um, first of all, hopefully Tua gets better. Hopefully he gets better soon. But take the time. Take the time that you need. The Dolphins, unfortunately, have been in the media for all of the wrong reasons for the most part over the last, let's just say, 10 months. Um, and I, it's funny because... I'm going to sound crazy. I actually think two has been cleared to play this weekend, but he's, they're not going to allow him to oh, play. They can't. Yeah. They, they can't let him play. They're going to get destroyed by the media. Um, and I, I dude, I, I find it just, here's, here's where I get the distaste and, and here's where I get really frustrated. No one has talked about how the, the, Freak play on that Sunday during the Bills game is could is very well po possibly not connected to the hit on Thursday night football. I don't care who you are, if you're Josh Allen or not, if you get thrown down the way Tua got thrown down in that game, you're probably getting concussed. That, that D tackle, I forget his name, he's 300 plus pounds. Okay, Tua already isn't the biggest quarterback, but he's not necessarily small. He's actually a very like thick guy, right? That that tackle was violent. It's part of the game. 
But for everybody saying like that he should have never played in the second half against the Bills. He should have never played against the Bengals. Well, he passed the NFL protocols during the game against Buffalo. He showed no signs of concussion symptoms or back spasms or ankle issues in the Bills and Dolphins second half. He made big throws and even Fitzpatrick on the on the halftime show literally was like I'm shocked that he you know I don't I don't know if this you know like going into this game he had concussion symptoms I was with him all day yesterday we hung out all day he seemed the exact same like I'm I'm not a doctor but I'm just like it's wild to hear on the media like they the dolphins need fines and the dolphins need picks taken from them somebody needs to be fired he should have never played on Sunday again and he shouldn't have played on Thursday it's just so much hindsight 2020 it's ridiculous it's it's People love to hate the Dolphins in the media, and it's frustrating on that end. But as a Finns fan going forward, look, the hardest part of our schedule was the beginning of the year. It was those first four games. It was Pats, Ravens, Bills, Bengals. Two away games, two road games. And those are all tough opponents. I don't care. I mean, the Patriots, I don't think, are very good, but it doesn't matter. Bill Belichick is such a good coach that he's going to make it a hard game for you. It's not a, it's not a gimme game. The Patriots will never be a gimme game right, like against a rookie game. head coach. Exactly. And we have a rookie head coach, brand new players on both sides of the ball. And we're, we emerged out of this three and one. If you would have told me before the season, would you take three and one? Say, Absolutely. Sign me up. I don't care which team we lose to sign me up. It's three and one. Yeah. So we now go into the easier part of the schedule, right? I'm not worried at all. Look, I haven't told you this. I'm going to be there on Sunday uh, in New York for the Jets-Dolphins game. There we go. And I'm not going into that game worried. Do I think the Jets are, are have gotten much better this year than they have been in the past couple of years? Absolutely. The bar was low. They're a better team this year, sure. But Teddy Bridgewater, like the game plan in Miami was it's just get get your guys McDaniel gets these guys in space and his his he preaches on yards after the catch, okay? As well as Tua has played this year, and he's looked pretty damn good considering most of the media murdered him for the last two years. The the game plan that Mike McDaniel in, puts in front of his quarterbacks are pretty simple. That he's not asking them to do any freak plays. He's not asking them to do anything. Hit the guys when they're open. Tua did a great job of that through through three and a half games. He did. He was hitting he was hitting every guy. He rarely had a, a misfire. And and Teddy Bridgewater really just has to come in and do those same things. I mean, it's again, it's not like McDaniel's asking Teddy Bridgewater to scramble, do 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 a no. bunch of bootlegs or whatever. We, we like, know what offense they're going to run. Yeah, exactly. There, he's going to that the offense actually is tailored to both of those guys' skill sets. I would say Teddy Bridgewater is a bit better of a scrambler uh, than than Tua, and I would say Tua is more accurate than Teddy. But I think that there's a happy medium there that McDaniel will game plan for. And really, I'll the, tell you this. I'll, I'll tell you this. I'd rather have him coming in the Brissett a million times over. I like Teddy's arm more than Brissett's, but I, I guess I'm just. I guess what I'm saying right now is it's like Teddy Bridgewater just has to go in against these next, the you know, the Jets, and it's like just don't make any turnovers. If you don't turn the ball over, you're gonna beat the Jets. You have way more talent. You have a better defense. You are off of more rest than the Jets now, and. That's right. The, the entire game plan for Teddy Bridgewater is it's I mean, it's they're not going to say this to him, but really in the in the coaching room, you have to be like, if we don't turn the ball over, we'll be fine. And Teddy Bridgewater, he clearly had a connection with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill went off last game. I think he had 10 or 11 receptions for like 190 
or, or no, sorry, like 160. So I think everything's fine there. Like, and you know what? The, we're going to see what McDaniel can do in the run game too. I'm sure they're going to run the ball a little bit more. Mostert has looked really well, really good the last two weeks. So I, I think everything's fine. Everything's fine on the Dolphins end. Rest Tua this week. I actually think Tua is back the following week against the Vikings. I hope so. And they'll need him for that game because the Vikings, even though their record is a little bit non-representative of the way that they've played, I, I still think their their personnel on defense and offense is something to watch out for when you're going in to play them on a, on a weekly matchup. Uh, but the rest of the league last week in review, the Bengals did beat the Dolphins last week, 27 to 15 on Thursday night football. Um, and for the league, I think this was the best thing that could have happened. I think the Bengals starting one and three would have stunk. Uh, let's just be honest. I mean, if Joe Burrow, I mean, we saw the stat at the beginning of the season, 0-2, no teams have made the playoffs since playoff expansion. If you're 1-3, and you don't have big of a shot either. I'd like to see Joe Burrow in there battling till the end for this division in the AFC North. The, the, the Dolphins were 3-0. and They could afford a law. I mean, from a non-biased, you know, outside person, for the betterment of my entertainment, that's what I wanted to happen. Uh, but then we had Bears-Giants. My Giants won 20-12. Saquon carried the team after Daniel Jones was playing Wildcat and Saquon was the quarterback in the back half of the game. Giants might be going third-string quarterback into Green Bay. I don't particularly like my Giants. I think they played much better than I thought they would, uh, but it's very Saquon-heavy. Wide receiver is very weak. Tight end is very weak. Offensive line is a work in progress. They actually just brought back Landon Collins, uh, on a PTO this week, and now he's back on the active roster for London. He's going to play linebacker uh, for the Giants, which is a little weak, uh, little weak for us. So I, the Giants are 3-1, and one, but with their schedule coming up, I still don't think they make the playoffs, but they've made it an interesting case. So what do you think about the Giants? Well, I actually – so I think the NFC is, is, is pretty weak compared to the AFC. Absolutely. Um, and, and, I, and I see a team like the Giants – it, they all the way that they're playing right now they're three and one now you've gotten through your first four games and you're three and one right now you're now this is a team with some talent right I mean you're still waiting for uh Kadarius Tony to 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 show up I mean I I think he's getting there right Saquon looks amazing he looks great uh, the offensive line is starting to gel a little bit and the defensive side of the ball has some playmakers yeah Kevon so, Thibodeau has been nice. So this is a team that I think when they're playing confidently, they have the power to steal a game and especially at home. And now that the Giants fans, which are a much better fan base than the Jets, they have a team that is three and one and they're like, okay, hold, hold up. We're going to be there at the end of the year for a playoff spot. When you start three and one, you need an insane collapse. And let's just say they lost the next four games. Then they're three and five. I'm sorry, but in the NFC, when you're three and five, you're not even out of it yet. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. I actually think that the Giants will be there on the last week of the season to make the playoffs. I, I I really do. Because when you start this strong and you have a division where you're playing teams like the Cowboys, the Commanders, those teams are very beatable. Yeah, but and we, the Giants lost to the to the Cowboys. I know, the but they're, they're but are they like don't you feel like the Giants would split with the Cowboys? Don't you think the Giants would beat the Commanders, right? And those are the yeah, teams I mean, you've if- got to beat. I would hope so. I mean, I would have thought that's the game to beat the Cowboys. If you got to go on the road to beat Dak next time on Thanksgiving, that's because that's when they're playing them on Thanksgiving. That's a tough ask. I mean, obviously, we've seen teams beat teams on the road in division matchups and go one and one that way, but it's hard to ask for. And 
you know, you're right. They're in the NFC. You're going to be there at the end. But if you do look up, you even said if they lose their next game, that they're three and five. Well, look at their next four games. They got the Packers in London. I think they go down with the third string QB. That's three and two. I think they lose to the Ravens at home. That's three and three. The Jaguars is a toss up because of, I mean, the Jaguars are still top five. Are they in Jacksonville? They're in Jacksonville. Yeah. Yeah, but the Giants fans travel very well, and Jacksonville fans—they don't have a very strong fan base. Um, I do, and- I do like the three weeks after that. They get Seattle on the road, Houston at home, Detroit at home. They're gonna have to make sure they can score against Detroit and keep up offensively, which the Giants are still score- struggling scoring touchdowns. But the Lions are kind of a Swiss cheese defense, so we'll see. But there's certainly a chance. And let and me ask you this question game. though: as a fan of the Giants, right? You're a diehard fan. Family's huge fan of the Giants. When you watch the Giants play, are you sitting there watching Daniel Jones and you're like, I mean, this guy isn't bad, but he's definitely not good. We're like, oh, we're one quarterback away from being a, a playoff team for sure. That, that's exactly uh, the thought. I mean, honestly. So are you sitting like with next year's quarterback class? Are you almost hoping, like, you know, it's nice to compete, but I'd rather be in play for one of these big names next year? At this point, at three and one, is that even possible? I mean, who knows? But it totally is. I mean, I mean, when so you look you've at got, that, you've got three, right? So you've got three big, big quarterbacks: the Kentucky guy, Bryce Young, and C.J. Stroud. Those are generally the top three, and you've got essentially Houston, Detroit, and Seattle, which I would say are probably the three looking for a quarterback and so the giants would probably be that fourth team outside maybe the colts are in there and they're in play for that because they're losing a lot and and matt ryan's not the future so if it's not one of those top three guys i don't know gotcha well i mean i'm looking at the uh i'm looking here right now and i mean look man these quarterbacks are obviously going to be taken in the top 10 you know, you got Stroud, Young, Levis. I mean, there's the guy from Wake Forest. I mean, there's, there's yeah. stuff's going to be there. But I like this Jaron Hall kid. I mean, he's pretty legit. So I would even take a Jimmy G next year in in a in a year of transition where they know they're going to have to move off him or he's going to hit free agency. Just get a mech Jimmy G and put him in a system and have him hand off to Saquon. And I know he's going to be better than Daniel Jones at the very least. And, and, you know, so maybe they do something like that, but I'm not high on Daniel Jones. So moving on, Vikings uh, barely pulled out over the Saints, uh, 28-25 in London. That's why I said their, their record is not representative maybe of who they've been. They barely beat the Lions at home as well. Uh, then you have the Falcons beating the Browns. The Browns had the easiest schedule in the NFL in the first six games of the season. They have 11 games without Deshaun Watson. And now, to me, it's looking like they're probably going to be a non-factor this year in the deep AFC. You got the Commanders losing to the Cowboys 25-10. to 10. Cowboys keep it going. Cooper Rush. I'm not even going to spend time on this. I, I am so tired of these sports networks getting ratings out of the Cowboys by wasting 20 minutes every morning debating if Cooper Rush is going to stay at quarterback. No, just stop it. Dak's making $40 million. I don't want to hear it. I, I'm done. Uh, so no more Cowboys for today. Uh, we had a shootout in Detroit, 48-45. Seattle win. I love seeing that game. And kudos to Jared Goff. Without Amon St. Ross St. Brown, he had another good game. He's, he's really thrived in the Detroit offense, and nobody's talking about it. 
uh, very low-key in Detroit. I mean, I know he's not spectacular or does anything above average, but he's done his job uh, at the very least. We also have the Tennessee Titans beating the Indianapolis Colts 24-17. to And this is a game for me where I went in there. The Colts are a team that every year I picked them for the division, and last week was the week where I finally gave up on them, essentially, and they lost again. They're 1-2-1. They're one, and one. Matt Ryan has not done the job. Jonathan Taylor, he's out tonight. We're recording this on a Thursday. It's coming out on a Friday. But Jonathan Taylor out for Thursday night football. And the Colts are just not looking like a good team. And, and it's really upsetting because you go in every year with all the smart guys in media saying they've got the best roster in football, top five roster in football, linebackers, corners, offensive line. But you know what? The quarterbacks, they've tried again and again and again. They have not worked, but it's also Frank Reich. And I echoed this point last week. I think the Colts are finished. They look dead. And it's really unfortunate for a team that's been built very well up to this point. The Eagles beat the Jaguars, who have been very successful this season. They were top five in DVOA in offense and defense coming into that Philadelphia game. But the Eagles have just been too good for any team this season. They remain undefeated. Miles Sanders continues to look pretty good. Jalen Hurts looks pretty good in that game as well. Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown. You got that offensive line, which might be the best in football in Philadelphia, which remember the last time they had the best offensive line in football, they won the Super Bowl. They, they beat their former head coach, Doug Peterson. And I got to say, even though Jacksonville lost this game, I think they're my AFC South favorites. And I, that might be a bold thing to say. I might be taking the hype, but the Jaguars, to me, they look really, you know, they, they look like a solid team that has a good foundation. You have the quarterback, you have the coach, general manager, it's a little suspect, but the, with the way that they've been drafting over the last few years and with the way that that defense has been playing and that offensive line has been gelling, you can't really argue against the roster moves that they've made to get to this point. And so two running backs that can be productive, two or three wide receivers, tight end with Evan Ingram. I'm liking the Jaguars a lot, even though they lost to Philadelphia. Uh, the Jets beat the Steelers in an upset. And I'll tell you this about the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're done. They are one and three right now. Their next four games are brutal. I think they're going to be one and seven uh, when we get to that point in the season. Uh, I'm going to skip Bills Ravens because we can focus on that one. Chargers beat the Texans in an expected game. Uh, the Cardinals beat the Panthers 26 to 16. Baker Mayfield, the whole world's coming after you now. I'm sorry for you, but you deserve it. Packers barely beat a third string zappy in Green Bay and OT. The Raiders beat the Broncos, who can't score, and the Raiders. Even though they won, their schedule's brutal too, and they're probably missing the playoffs. And then the Chiefs beat the Bucks with the full wide receiver core back for Tampa Bay. So, CJ, and then also Monday Night Football, 49ers beat the Rams and shut down the Rams. So, CJ, other than Bills Ravens, were there any games that caught your eye? I mean, we had Jaguars, Eagles, uh, Vikings, Saints, uh, and, and some games like that. Cardinals, Panthers. What's the question? I was saying, other than like Bills, Ravens, because we'll focus on that in a second. I mean, we had Jaguars, Eagles, Titans, Colts, Cardinals, Panthers, uh, the Steelers game. What games like caught your eye? We had Raiders, Broncos. Yeah, I would say the Raiders, uh, the Raiders, Broncos. That sounds uh, that that's a game that it's going to have some intrigue to it. Or it this was last week. Wait, Raiders. Oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, yeah. Oh, from last week. You're talking about from last week. What caught my eye? Yeah, yeah. So the the Raiders beat the Broncos last week on Sunday. Yeah, I so I was all over the Raiders, by the way. 
I mean, I was like, they're in such desperation mode. They, there's no way they start off 0-4. So that, I mean, I've kind of thought that was kind of predictable. And the Broncos just don't look good. Uh, and I actually think the Broncos continue to struggle tonight. I think they, they squeak out a win against um, against them, but yeah, against the Colts. But it's it's going to be one of those games where I just think the Broncos, they suck, um, I, which is frustrating. I actually had the Broncos going to the Super Bowl. I'm talking to my friends because I Ooh. believe in Russ. But anyway, I mean, yeah. Something that also stuck out to me was the Eagles. So, uh, yeah. as as good as the Jaguars are playing this year, this is a this is Doug's Doug Patterson's first year as the coach in Jacksonville. Um, and so Trevor Lawrence, I don't think has shown that he can be a guy that you can rely on. I think he turns think the ball over. Has. I think he's no, dude. Be, he turns the ball over way too much. He gets way too much of a pass from the media because he's Trevor Lawrence. And yes, does he make some great throws? Sure, but he throws the ball away way too much. You cannot win when your quarterback's throwing two interceptions a game. You will not win, and especially against a team like the Eagles. Well, look at look at Josh is, Allen early. Yeah, look at Josh Allen early. But again, Josh Allen's early career was really bad. And I'm just saying, like this, I, I still don't think Trevor Lawrence is necessarily good, right? Like I think he's going to get you some stats, but you're never like, I don't know, man. I, I'm not the biggest believer. But anyway. Um, the Eagles let the Jags hang around. I mean, not only that, I mean, the, the Jags came up, came out, scored 14 straight. It was 14-0. And the Eagles, I think, are kind of a fraudulent 4-0 team. I mean, I'm, 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 they're good. They're going to win the division and they're going to make the playoffs. But I actually think that out of all the teams that are good in the NFL, I'm not the, I'm not a big believer on the Eagles. I'm not. I, I'm When you get to the playoffs or if you, if they, first of all, they haven't played anybody yet. If they play against a good team and they win, I'm gonna be like, all right, yeah, yeah, sure, like they're legit. But until they get a big win, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to relate them to the Dolphins, but I would take a three and one Dolphins team that's beat Pats, Ravens, Bills, over an Eagles team that beat Commanders, Jags, Lions, like and yeah, whoever else, yeah. you know. So yeah, I'm just saying, I, I that 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 game kind of opened up my eyes a little bit. I do think that the Eagles need to prove a little bit more. I'm with you. I, I mean, I'm with you because, and they have that game that you're talking about this weekend. They're facing Arizona, uh, Kyler against Jalen Hurts, similar styles. We'll see how that plays out. Arizona in a deep hole right now, uh, even though they won against Carolina. But the game I wanted to focus on, and this will be our last game that we talk about today, uh, Bills and Ravens. The Bills were able to come back against the Baltimore Ravens after Tua came back against the Baltimore Ravens a few weeks ago. Both of these games were at home for the Ravens. Defensive breakdowns, but more so, Lamar Jackson's second half just disappeared in those two games. And, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson was a guy that when he first broke in, I thought he was severely overhyped and everyone hated on me for it. Oh, how could you get on Lamar? He's amazing. He's an MVP. I'm like, he can't throw. Next year comes around, he loses in the playoffs. Some people kind of come to my side. Then last year happens, and I kind of go against myself from the year before. I'm like, wait a second, no. I'm against myself now. Lamar's proved me wrong. He's the dude. I like him a lot. And now I'm almost back to where I used to be. He faces Tua, who he should, he's better than Tua, or, or at least he's viewed that way by the general public, and he lost. And he was up in that game big. I mean, historic choke job in that game. Then you're up against the Bills, 20-3. to three. Your defense is shutting down the Bills. You can score one more touchdown to open up the half. 
you're rolling with Mark with Mark Andrews, and then you're shut down again. Or I mean, what is it with Lamar Jackson? Like, what's going on here? I mean, I saw him cowherd. He brought up how sometimes Lamar's a little bit too emotional when things aren't going well. And I don't even know if it's that. I, I think it's just I don't even know what it is. I I don't know, man. Um I, I think Lamar's looked really good this year. Um, I think he is a top 10 quarterback in this league for sure. Yes. I'd say he's within the, the range of like four to seven. Yeah. He's, That's why it's confusing. I, I think that the Ravens team has failed Lamar a bit. And I would say in, in an even greater sense, Harbaugh has failed Lamar. And here's why. Harbaugh went for it on fourth down against the Dolphins, I be- for sure once, but I believe twice in pivotal moments of the game, and the Ravens got stuffed both times for a turnover that led to Dolphins points. This also happened in the Bills game. Harbaugh, instead of taking the three points, decided he was going to go for it. This then you 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 can't play against the Bills who are move, who can move the ball whenever they want, and then you know the, if the Bills all they need to do is have a field goal to win, they're going to win. For yeah. the most part, right? Why is Harbaugh going for it? That game should have been won. Or at the very least, it's like you're telling you're challenging the Bills, come down and score a touchdown. You have to punch it in. And it shows he doesn't have the confidence. It's you rough. Bet, but but at, at the end of the day, you're at home, you're playing the Bills. Like, it's just weird. He's a Super Bowl coach. Like, this is just not how you win football games, and it, and the, your team demonstrated against the Dolphins that you cannot you're, you're not going to on a, against good defenses, which the Dolphins and the Bills have have top ten defenses in the NFL, probably closer to top five, right? And it's I just don't think any of this is on Lamar. I think this is on coaching and and just in the the players around Lamar or the defense. Just I don't even know if it's so much the defense. You put the defense in a crappy position. You you went for it on fourth down. If the defense has confidence of like, hey, we just we just they just can't get in our end zone, then I think you know like mentally that's a big factor. And Harbaugh hasn't given them that. I mean, when Tua started a couple of those drives for touchdowns, he started them in really good field position. Like. Yep. Yeah, no, it, it's You're asking uh, too much of your defense. That's just already not good. This is not the Ravens' defense of the last decade or the decade before. It's just not. No, and they pride themselves on it. They theoretically have the personnel for it, too. Um, but the last thing, we've got five minutes left here or so. Uh, your Michigan Wolverines, talking about the other Harbaugh, they're in the top four of the of the uh, playoff rankings right now in college football. But the, the main thing I wanted to focus on here, because Tyler and I went into it on backyard bets in terms of, of – how fun it's been this year with the depth of the conferences where, I mean, we haven't seen this in a long time where the SEC is seven, eight, nine teams deep with good, good team. Not, you know, oh, you know, like that's a fun little cute Auburn, like good SEC teams, like seven, eight deep this year. The Big Ten's deep. The Big 12 is shocking us a little bit. Uh, the Pac-12, usually you're like, eh, and they've got a few ranked. Um, but I mainly wanted to ask you about this. I saw Joel Klatt this week taking the Bulldogs out of his top five because of their last two weeks. And it, and he was commending Michigan because he said, why are we rewarding Georgia for barely beating Kent State and barely beating Mizzou? Because there's this overwhelming perception that SEC road games are so difficult when Michigan just had to go in and beat that Iowa defense on the road 
which is a way better win. And then you've got some other damn good teams in that playoff as well. Why is Georgia just automatically put up? I mean, you got to show some respect. I agree with Clat. I, 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 you know, it's funny because you, the Big Ten and the SEC have two separate styles of football. And then I actually think that they're, that at times they're very similar. In the Big Ten, you have top-of-the-line O-linemen that are going to these schools, right? And then in the SEC, I find that the top-of-the-line D-linemen, and especially interior D-linemen, go to the SEC. Um, I don't, I mean, that's a, that's been a trend for a long time. I, you know, outside of Nadama can sue, I would say that the big 10, look, I could be so wrong about this, but for, for interior D linemen, I think, I think that the sec has, has produced way more of them. Right. And yeah. whereas the big 10 and I look, Notre Dame's not a big 10 team, but they're out there in the Midwest. I think that they'll be in the big 10 soon enough. I mean, once you throw or them the in ACC, there, like, one of the two. Look at Michigan O-linemen. Look at Iowa O-linemen. You know, like Wisconsin O-linemen. Like, the, the list goes on. So, I think that in the SEC, it's been a little bit weird recently, as you've seen teams putting, like, games being, like, video game scores, right? I mean, Bama has, you know, after after the two-a-days and Jalen Hurts, like, they've just been producing quarterbacks left and right that can throw up, shoot, shoot up 60 points. And Georgia as well. And then you've you you know you had the Florida year of Kyle Trask and, and Pitts and Tony and they were putting up fifty points a, a game. Yep. Same thing goes for LSU. Burrow, Chase, Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Like the SEC's changed in the last few years. In Kentucky as well. All of a sudden, Kentucky's good because they have a quarterback. Quarterbacks are going to the SEC now. Oh, Whereas yeah. I still think the Big Ten outside of Ohio State is run the ball, run the ball. <laughs> so. Yeah. I know that this is about going going away and playing games, but I just want to highlight the fact that they have two separate styles of football, right? I would say that going into a Big Ten environment like Iowa on the road is harder than going to Missouri. I think it's a better environment. I think the stadium is built from a more of a loud atmosphere. And Iowa has had some years in the past few years where top five teams have lost. And what about this? And this was part of the point as well, because he had Georgia at five. Do you value Clemson's road win against Wake Forest and their home win against NC State more than Georgia's last two weeks? And that's why he had Clemson at four and Georgia at five. I agree with that as well. Wake Forest on the road is way more tough than Mizzou on the road. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, absolutely. And and I don't even want to single out Mizzou here, but like if your road game is against an unranked Wisconsin and then compare that to your road game being up against an unranked Mizzou, I mean, I'd play Mizzou any day of the week. Yeah, like all day. Like, or I mean, Nebraska sucks. Back stadium. Nebraska sucks, but look at that atmosphere. I'd rather go play an unranked you know, let's just say, what's a team? Unranked. Minnesota? Um, Indiana? Minnesota, Indiana. Like, you, like heck, dude, I went to Purdue. 
for that FAU Purdue game. That's a that's a that's a play at a conference USA school. That student section was lit. They were a ton of fun. Like that that was cool. I mean, I'm just saying, man. I I don't agree with this like end all be all of like SEC schools being like you know this incredible like you know like you go play away and it's like you know the end of the world. Oh. I have, you don't see as many upsets in the yeah. SEC as you do in the Big Ten, and yep. maybe that's because the top end of the Big Ten doesn't have as much of a gap with their bottom of the Big Ten than the SEC does. I, I would say that that's probably true. Now, an obvious outlier here is like, I, I think of Wisconsin and Florida as two very similar football programs. They could win it any year, and I wouldn't be super surprised. Or they could also suck, and I wouldn't be super surprised. And they have incredible fan bases and incredible atmosphere. I would, of yeah. course, rather go play Wisconsin away than Florida away. Look at what happened to Utah. Utah is a better team than Florida. But Florida has an incredible atmosphere, and I really do believe that the weather and the home crowd really played an advantage into that week one win against a top-ranked Utah team. Look at Florida since, struggled against, struggled against USF, lost to, lost to Tennessee, and, and lost to Kentucky. Those are teams that they've, that they've beaten for years, right? Yep. So I think Joel Clapp brings up a very interesting debate. I really do. I mean, look, um, an away game at Minnesota is is way less daunting than a, an away game at Auburn. That's true too. But then you go look at Penn State goes to Auburn and absolutely crush them. So maybe it's time that we start saying, actually, the Big Ten is a deeper conference than the SEC. I actually I believe that right now. Well, okay, so and this will be what I you know I'm rushing on time here, but no, you're good. I don't. I full disclosure, I don't think flag football is happening anymore. So just keep going. All right, so okay, so we got the future SEC and the future Big Ten. If we're talking about depth and depth moving forward, future SEC is Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, Kentucky, Ole Miss, A and M, Auburn, Tennessee, Texas, Oklahoma. Arkansas, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Mizzou. And they're not doing sides anymore. So it's all 16 jumbled together, no more East-West. And then the Big Ten is everything the same, but adding USC and UCLA to to the big Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. Um, So, I mean, what's deeper? I mean, if you're adding USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, and then you've got the SEC that runs, I mean, to me, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve legitimate, consistently winning SEC teams. Well, let me say this. USC and UCLA being added to the Big Ten infuriates me. It's frustrating. I don't understand it. Now, now being at a Big Ten school, I find it to be so weird that that, that fan base that football, those football programs, they do not embody what the Big Ten is. Um, are they historic uh, schools? Absolutely. I mean, UCLA is an incredible school. USC is a historic sports school. Like, sports-wise, they will compete and it will be fine. I'm just saying when you think about, like, regional history, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. And I'm going to say this. Football atmosphere, stadium-wise, they do not compare. They don't compare. I haven't seen a USC game where I'm more in, in a decade that I've been sitting there like, whoa, I need to go experience a USC football game. Like, this is crazy. This looks nuts. No, no, not at all. Freaking Nebraska it could, could start off 0 and 6 
And then Maryland comes to town and you still, and the entire stadium is in unison of red, white, red, white, red, white. Like, like it's crazy. It's crazy. And this is the thing. There's not much to freaking do in these towns outside of sports. Ann Arbor, you got to go an hour to Detroit to do anything. All right. You, like, I mean, I love Ann Arbor. It's a great town. But when the, when sports are on, everybody's going. Right. Yeah. My girlfriend's not even not, not the biggest sports fan, but she knows on Saturdays, like I got to get a ticket to the to the big house like everyone's going. Right. I mean, so just wanted to point that out. But you're back to your original question, like, you know, wh- wh- which was like talking about those two conferences. What's better? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, like I'm even Paul. Like I don't, I don't know which one is. When they add, like when the SEC adds Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. Oof. All right. Oklahoma's well, here's the problem. The, okay, I think Oklahoma's going to get buried in the SEC. I think Oklahoma gets buried in the SEC, and I actually think Texas doesn't. They have Archie Manning coming in. But dude, Quinn Ewers looks great. I mean, when you that yeah. Texas Bama game, that Texas Bama game was awesome. That was a yeah. very good game. And you know what I was most surprised with? The Texas defense was flying everywhere, and they were hitting these Alabama offensive players in the mouth. Yeah. What disappoints me is that they just lost to Texas Tech. Now they got that second loss. I know, and then that happens. But then again, why are we breaking up the Big 12? The Big 12 is so similar to the Big 10. Anybody can win on any given Saturday. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't, I don't, that doesn't happen in the SEC. That's my problem with the SEC. If Georgia and Bama go play someone, they're going to win. There is no parity in the SEC. The end of this year will be Bama versus Georgia again. And the following year will be Bama versus Georgia. Until LSU has, has a random year. Until Florida has a random year. And then that's 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 all you can do. The Big Ten, look at the freaking, look at the, look at the conference, uh, the East. It's Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State. Like, bro, like anybody can, can make it to the conference championship. Then on the other yep. side, Iowa's good one year. Wisconsin's good one year. Minnesota's good one year. Like. And now USC is going to be on that side. On the west, off of a talent, off of a talent, uh, a talent level, I would say the SEC, when they add Texas and Oklahoma, talent-wise, they will be a better conference. But off of a pure TV entertainment and a parity in the league, I would take the Big Ten any day of the week. If you told me, I, if you told me, here's your slate on this sat on this Saturday, uh, you could pick between Wisconsin versus Iowa, um, Michigan, Michigan State. Ohio State, Penn State, you know, or you could do the SEC slate, um, Texas versus Georgia, and then, uh, you know, Florida, Tennessee, and then Bama, LSU. I'm probably going to go the Big Ten way because I don't know who's going to win. I can pick a winner in those other games, and it's probably going to happen. And that's my problem with the SEC. I used to love SEC football. My dad went to Florida. My mom went to Florida. My sister goes to Florida. Kylie went to Florida at the end of the day. Every time you can walk in the game or or open up the you know the channel and you're like, I know who's going to win this game. There's no upsets anymore. That's the problem. And what I think will help this is the 12 teams because now one loss does not end your season, and you could have three or four SEC teams, maybe even five, making the playoffs. Like in a season like this year, where you have a team like uh, I'm looking here, uh, uh, Kentucky, they just got their first loss with Levis and they're done. If this was a 12 team playoff, they're still in it. Then you have an undefeated Ole Miss. You have an undefeated Tennessee. 
then all of a sudden to me, it's like, okay, now if they're in the playoffs, it's a little interesting. If they're going up against big 10 teams, you know, in matchup wise in, in the playoffs, then there's more intrigue. Cause it's not like, well, if Georgia's playing Tennessee, they're going to beat Tennessee and Tennessee season's over because they got their one loss. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And I will say this, like, like really good. Like, like, thank you for bringing this up. Kentucky Ole Miss game was a fantastic football game. And here's the thing. This is why it was a fantastic football game. Kentucky and Ole Miss were very similar in, in talent. They had good quarterbacks. They had good running backs. I mean, it, I mean, it was a ranked 17 versus a ranked 14 team. And I'm not necessarily dogging on Georgia and Alabama for being so freaking good. I get it. Like, they're incredible football teams. They recruit well. They're historic. And that's always going to be the case. But off of, a pure, off of a pure viewing standpoint, that game was the best SEC game I've seen all year. It was. It and, was. And that's just because I didn't see freaking Georgia – Walk into you know walk into um, Baton Rouge and and the game is over within within two quarters. Yep. And I no. mean I say I'm the biggest hypocrite. I say all this as Michigan went to Iowa and barely had to do anything. But well, I mean that's also different. But I mean, but you guys like again, you you just said it. You're gonna go play Ohio State. You're not gonna know who's gonna win. You're gonna go play Penn State. Is Michigan favored? Yes. But are you definitely going to win? Beat Penn State? No. But in the difference is Alabama is going to play Georgia in the SEC championship. You don't know who's going to win that game. That's the one game you don't know they're going to win. But Alabama is going to face Tennessee, and no matter how good Tennessee is, Alabama is going to win the fucking game. Yep, it's 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 true. It's it's true. And and the thing is, is you saw the te- you saw that Texas Alabama game was fantastic. It was so good. Texas honestly lost that game. If you give me those games every other week with the SEC, then, hey, I, you know, I'm, 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 sign me up. S- sign me up, but the problem is, is we don't see that. Yeah. I mean, last year, Florida Florida played Bama, and Kylie was at that game. Florida played Bama to the final whistle, and that was a fantastic game. You, We need more of those games from the SEC. Here, Georgia goes to play South Carolina on the road. <laughs> that game was f- like 35-zip. At like halftime, yeah. So you're gonna tell me that? Oh my god, going going on an away game is so much harder. Like, what? No. So 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 when Florida goes plays goes to play Vanderbilt this year, and they just destroy Vandy. Is am I, am I gonna be like what? Yeah, no. Here's I'm the thing, you, dude. I'm no one you. is going to. No Big Ten teams are going to Maryland this year and destroying them. Yeah. And here's the other thing. Michigan State has sucked this year so far, and it's been a massive disappointment. Am I happy to see them lose as a Michigan fan? Sure. But at the same time, I almost want them to win until they get to play us. But yeah. I'm going to Michigan, Michigan State, walking into that game think, saying to myself, "This anything can happen. And that game's in Lansing this year? No, that game's in Ann Arbor. Oh, shit. Yeah. So like like Michigan went to Lansing last year and lost. Yeah, no. Michigan State plays them well every year, no matter how they're doing. Yeah. So like I I, I think it's a very interesting debate. I, I would say that it, there it's it's a no brainer that it's the Big Ten and the SEC are the best two conferences. But then so so yeah, but the the debate is fun. But let me ask you this to continue this college football um 
college football talk because it's fun. And then I gotta I gotta head out of here in, a, in like ten ten minutes. But what? So outside out of the Pac twelve and the Big Twelve and the ACC, what's the best conference? Do you think I already have my answer? But I, like, let's and 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 also you need to subtract. Texas and OU and UC, yep. USC and UCLA. Yeah. So I so I have uh, the future Big 12. It reads uh, Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma State, BYU, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Houston, TCU, West Virginia, Cincinnati, Kansas State, and UCF. That's going to be the future of the Big 12. The ACC is going to remain unchanged unless they officially add a Notre Dame, which is unlikely to happen. And there's been rumors that they might add an SMU. That does not alter my opinion in any way uh, for this conversation. And then the Pac-12, uh, the future of that, oh, my God. Like, uh, th- this this is more like what I want. So, for me, ACC, you know, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, so you're going to have good teams out there every year. And I don't think there's that number one team in the Big 12 anymore that you can – fear like Clemson you're going to fear every year there's no one you're fearing in the Big 12 the Pac-12 those just bad like the Pac-12 is Oregon Utah Stanford Washington Washington State Oregon State Arizona Arizona State Colorado and Cal that's terrible so like is the Pac-12 either going to dissolve or is it going to merge with the Mountain West that's more like what I'm interested in yeah and here's the thing the the thing is, is I think the Pac-12 is going to be the 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 Power Five conference here to just completely dissolve. Um, they're not going to. There's nobody that they can bring in to keep uh, Oregon and Washington happy. Um, there's no one out there that's a floater. Like obviously Notre Dame is never going to the Pac-12. I mean, they may have gone to the Pac-12 if USC and UCLA and Washington and Oregon had this sustained crazy success and they were never going to leave the Pac-12, okay? There are some historic rivalries between Notre Dame and Stanford, Notre Dame and USC, so that ship has clearly sailed, plus the geography. I don't think Notre Dame would have wanted that. Um, Pac-12 is going to dissolve. But here's, here's where I find things to get really interesting, and I'll start here with the ACC. Why should the ACC disband? They have this. This is their schools, and and this is no rankings of power of football, right? Purely off of let's just say academic, Duke, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, incredible schools. Mm-hmm. University of Miami, I hate them. Very good school. Florida State, good school. Virginia, amazing school. The list goes on. So why like and then on top of that, sports wise, all these schools are, are have a huge fan base. Yeah, and they, basketball they, they, you have to think too. Basketball is incredible in these conferences. And football hasn't been bad either. So when you have a top of Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Wake Forest is an incredible school and they've been good at football recently. Yep. NC State is a great school to go to. Great school. And it's been a very good football school recently. And UNC. Why, why would the ACC disband? If I'm the ACC, I'm sitting everybody down and I'm saying, look at look around. We do not need to disband. We don't. Nobody needs to leave. We will still have a very sizable, um, you know, media rights deal. Yep. Why not? Why not make a Why not make a pitch to Notre Dame? 
Hey, uh, you don't need to go to the big 10 and have a, and have a bloodbath every year for scheduling. You come to the ACC where your basketball and lacrosse teams already play and your other teams, everything but football plays in the ACC. Now, why would you not want to come play against UNC? Why would you not want to come play against Duke football and basketball? Why would you not want to go and, you know, you've been playing Clemson recently. Clemson's been going to you and you've been going to Clemson. Clemson goes to you again this year. Florida State, you played against Florida State at Florida State a year ago or two years ago. There's already some hatred among these schools in Notre Dame. I don't like if you if if the ACC can say, listen, we're good. We have Clemson, Notre Dame, Florida State, Miami. And then let's just say on any other day, NC State, Virginia Tech. Why, why, why are they like we gotta we we gotta disband? They should, not at all. I mean, I've even heard. Uh, I saw their their the leader of their conference. He said, "We we love our schools that we have, and we're not the the only team that they might add is SMU, and they clearly that's not a top heavy school. That would be probably the worst school that they would have in their conference. That would just be like, okay, we'll add we'll add them. I mean." Even Boston College, they don't, they're not that good at sports, but it's Boston College. So, you know, so that's still a prominent place, uh, like you said earlier. And, uh, yeah, with yeah, Notre Dame. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Like, but then, but then I will say this like, the Big 12, right? The Big 12, they lose Texas and Oklahoma, but they add in Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU. I, and, and if the Pac 12 dissolves, can they add in Oregon? Have we, have we see exactly. And what, and what if this, this, the, the big 12 goes, Hey, Oregon, Washington come now, like come right now. And then, and, and I mean, I don't think Oregon and Washington want that. I think that they're the next two candidates to go to the big 10. Um, Man. I think that, I think that that's what ends up happening. Oregon fits the big 10 to me. Their, their defense heavy. Uh, they yeah, they've got a great. They have a they have a really good atmosphere at the stadium. Their their stadium gets cold in in the in, in the late October, early November months. Um, I say that they fit the bill, but for the Big Twelve, when you have a BYU out in Utah, and you know what's going to happen, right? But yeah, I, I'd say the next two. The, these are the next four movers that I that I see that tip the scales. Oregon, Washington, clearly because they're not staying in the Pac-12. They have they are way they both of the first of all, Washington's made the college football playoff. Yeah. Okay. And Oregon's won the college football playoff. Okay. So like, let's not think that they're not you know juggernaut programs because they are. Let's move forward here. I am most interested to see what happens to Florida State and Clemson. I believe that both of those teams are SEC type schools. Okay. Oh. Florida State is right there at Tallahassee in the middle of Florida, Bama, Ole Miss, <laughs> Georgia. They are right there. But they have an incredible alumni fan base. They 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 have an they have a historic stadium, historic jerseys, national championships, Heisman trophies. They are a unfortunately right now a little bit of a sleeping giant and i think that they're going to be really good next year dude they get some incredible recruits at that school and then clemson i mean clemson's made the damn college football playoff like five times one, yeah, and no excuse two. they can make it that, that's a good move for them and but, that's um, south Car- they're in south carolina so to me again, it's like- i think ultimately they stay in the acc and the acc stays and stays intact which is good for college football because we can't just have two super conferences we need a third one to buffer to third and a fourth one to buffer it out but Listen, man, if the SEC comes knocking on Florida State and Clemson's door, 
it's the money, really. That's what it comes down to. So it's the payout. I mean, you could say all you want uh, that Florida State. I mean, to me, they're they're doomed sports wise if they move to the SEC. They've struggled in the ACC since Jameis left. I don't see how they would put anything successful together. I mean, Oklahoma's going to get crushed in the SEC. I, I think they would be doomed. Clemson could do it, but they would definitely have to fight every year. Um, but you're going to have to do that anyway in a 12-team playoff and all that. But, um, yeah, man. But the, the, the rumor that I heard that was really interesting was North Carolina and Duke potentially to the Duke to the uh, Big Ten. Yeah, well, yeah. So I saw that as well. And, and, and I, I mean – Again, off of an academic standpoint, those are absolutely, you know, Big Ten type schools. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I I don't think off of a football standpoint, they have the atmospheres and the athletes to be able to get to the Big Ten and compete. I think that UNC and, and Duke would immediately become Vanderbilt type schools in the Big Ten. And do they really want that? I mean as good as it is for the money and whatever, at some point it's going to get real tired of losing left and right. I mean, basketball, it's would be a lot of fun, but football yeah, well, basketball wise, it would be incredible. And Maryland would love it because Maryland apparently has seen a real decrease in their basketball season tickets because of the, you know, not having those rivalries with North Carolina mm. and Duke anymore. But I, yeah, man, I mean, that's what I'm saying though. Like we keep talking about these ACC schools and I'm sitting there, I'm like, why not just pitch the hell out of Notre Dame and get them to the ACC and you are set. You do not need to make any, you just, yeah, just stay in the conference. I mean, if you're, if your top four is Notre Dame, Florida State, Clemson, Miami, that goes head to head against any other of the conferences top four. I mean, that goes head to head against Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, USC. Uh, or sorry, let's just say Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, USC. That goes that goes head to head against against uh, anything in the Big Twelve. It's probably better than. And then if you look in the the SEC, I mean, it's Bama, Georgia, Texas, and and LSU, right? I mean, but like Texas that's probably been the, doing well, Matt, but they're like yeah. every other year type schools. If you're the ACC, I feel like I feel like this is really interesting waters that you have to maneuver through. And you should also, if I'm the ACC. I got to get sneaky. I got to grab someone. Someone's got to be grabbed to to play in uh in the ACC. Get a school. Just get some random floater school that's looking for a way out and you can get somebody with some pizzazz like a Notre Dame or an Oregon. Get them in there. What if, then, what if you could pull an SEC team that's going to be bad like a, a anyone? Like well, a nobody in the SEC now want, is going to want to leave. True, the pay. The SEC's going to have to pay a school incredible amount of money to yeah, kick them yeah. out. And the ACC wouldn't wouldn't ever to to they wouldn't pay a school's buyout. And the only teams that I could see going to the ACC would be South Carolina. Yeah, or, I mean the the last thing I have to say about this is I don't want the twelve team playoff to come before the conferences are done with all of this. Like this needs to be settled. I don't want to get into year three of a really nicely moving playoff format, and then the Pac twelve is just like we're gone. And then, and then they're like, oh, do we have to reformat now? Because the top, we can't have power five conferences be the top five seat. So they, that, that needs to be solved. And we need to know how that's going to work before this all starts. Exactly. I totally agree. But as always, I mean, it's fun talking about it. Yeah, no, for sure. And we've uh, not seen the ending of conference realignment. That's for sure. Yes. Yes. So uh, 
Like I said, to start the pod, the NHL season is underway starting this week for most teams starting on the 11th. Baseball playoffs are starting. Strictly Baseball is going to be uploaded at the same time as this. Uh, so whether you want, listen to that first or are going to listen to that next, uh, thank you for listening to either or both. Uh, but we're going to preview the playoffs. Uh, Steve and Rory and I are going to do that. Steve back on the pod for the first time since summer. Uh, so that'll be fun, uh, breaking down some baseball later tonight. Um, and then, yeah, we'll do Strictly Hockey next week. Another Backyard Bets will come out next Thursday with our picks for next week. Uh, one pod to rule them all. CJ and I, we do a big Lord of the Rings podcast uh, with Elijah, and we just uploaded our episode five and six review, which I'll link in the description below. We have weekly episode reviews coming out for that show, and uh, I'll link the Twitter uh, down below. We have a backup account and a normal account. It's a very annoying situation, but we have two accounts. I'll link them below. And you can follow our accounts at Strictly Sports P and on Facebook and Instagram at Strictly Sports Production. For CJ Yuri, I am Jacob Brown, and we will see you next week. See ya.